Good morning or good afternoon. Amen. Praise God. It's great. It is great to be here. It's always a joy and a pleasure to come and share the word with you guys out in Bray, my hometown. Uh, someone give a cheer there, no? No. <laughs> Before I start, uh, I, I just checked in with Rob this morning. I got the okay for this because sometimes we can just dump things on people. But uh, myself and Vicky, my wife, and the three kids were going over to Belarus um, with Pashley, which is an organization that works with um, orphans over in Belarus, just near Chernobyl there. And so uh, the f- this is my first time going over there. Vicky's been over there 11 years in a row or something like that. And the boys went over last year, and they were tremendously touched. I mean, I have two sons, and they're chalk and cheese to two of them. But... Uh, sparked off something inside them last year. I mean, when you're going over to an orphanage, which literally, they have nothing, you know, and uh, just to go over there and just bless them and, to, you know, to help them and to um, renovate the orphanage. That's what we're going to do this year. So I, I just said it to Rob this morning, cheeky, but I have my little sponsorship card here this, this morning. If anybody feels it on the heart, it's probably 4 or 500 euro into that. They're, they're very welcome to do that. Um, so see me afterwards, please. That's the that's that open, don't we? Praise God. Please, you take that. Penny's already given me a tenner there, fair play to her. Praise God. Ah. So that sets the standard there anyway. <laughs> Praise God. Um, we're on the, the Psalm series, isn't that right? So we're going to do Psalm 5 this morning. Uh, blessed to do this. Anybody being blessed through these Psalm series? It's great to go through the Psalms and to get some context into what God is saying to us through the writings of David and others. Um, before I start, we have to try and... This is what baffled me. This, the Psalms are 3,000 years old. We don't know how we get into the context of that. These are 3,000 years old. And plus, I studied this and went into it, and we looked at this. You could say... Um, that if something is 3,000 years old, 3,000 years old, that it's not going to be accurate. I mean, that's a natural thing to say. I mean, the earliest copies they have of this is probably, I think it's 1,500 years before they were written. You know what I mean? But the Dead Sea Scrolls and other things changed that in the sense that this is exactly what they wrote. Right down to the dot. It's amazing that the Dead Sea Scrolls brought it back, I think, another 1,000 years and there wasn't a dot missing out of sentences. Never mind words. Because God has preserved his word for us today. 3,000 years ago. And now I'm going to share a word with you from a context that's 3,000 years old. I find that amazing. I find it mind-boggling. For me, I'm a history buff. And I love having to do with history. But, but it's just it's so, it's so amazing. And we have to ask ourselves, why did God the Holy Spirit inspired David to actually write these psalms and these expressions from his heart, um, his frustrations. and uh, he, had, he, had, he had such a way about him that he was able to, and I'd love to be able to do this, uh, but, but I, just, it's not, I know people who, who are able to do this, but to express themselves with poetry and words and be able to write down on paper what's going on in their hearts, it's an amazing thing to do. Um, you know, and so... You have to ask yourselves, why, what, why is this here? What's, what's it meant for? Why has God put this in front of us? Why has it been preserved for 3,000 years? And you have to ask, you have, the, the question that I come up with is, we bounce that back to everybody, why do we come here on a Sunday morning? 
And why are you here? Like, I mean, half eleven. I think our Easter is a bit more committed. We're eleven o'clock. <laughs> no. So getting up in the Sunday morning, people are working all week. Um, you know, going getting my hair done and getting the hair dryer out and putting makeup on and all that kind of stuff. I'm committed to coming to a place like this to gather together. Yeah, for what what purpose is there in it? Why do we do this? And I can tell you why, because there's nowhere like this. Anywhere in Bray, in Dublin, in Ireland this morning, there's nowhere like this community where we can come and we can just have an absolute powerful time of worship and then we can listen to the word of God preached that can actually change somebody, that can make a difference. If I can share some part of my testimony, um, back in 1995 when I became a Christian, uh, a lot of you possibly heard my testimony, but I was a young guy that was absolutely smashed and broken. Um, I had undiagnosed mental issues going on. I had addiction issues going on. I had health issues going on. And the Lord was reaching out to me, but I didn't know it. And this is, if you can remember this, the Lord wanted me, and I didn't want him. So I'm going to come back to that later on in the Psalms. But can I shout that out again? The Lord wanted me, when I didn't want him. And I remember being, uh, I, I was worse for wear, I was up on Thomas Street, and this lady came over, was sitting down on the ground, and I was actually trying to rob handbags. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was watching for handbags, and this lady came up to me and she says, do you want to go to church? And I said, what? Do you want to go to, I, I want to bring, she was bringing me down to, War, remember Warbrook Street? And, I kind of looked at her and thinking, okay, I'm going to follow her down here now and I'm going to rob her, you know. But something stopped me. And then a week later, the guy comes into me home in Bray. I got back into Bray, knock on the door, and he sits me down and says, Jesus loves you. And starts praying for me. And I said, what is going on here? And, and then before I knew it, a week later, I was giving my life to the Lord on Thomas Street, on a program, and the Lord just came into my life and radically changed me. And he radically changed me through this stuff. That in this atmosphere, where I went into church and people, I remember a guy shared the scriptures with me one day, and just one-on-one, -on -one and he opened the Bible. Uh, John, and he, and he says, Jesus loves you. And he says, he couldn't love me. He couldn't love me. You don't know what I got up to or what I done. I said, I tell you, he loves me. He loves you. Why don't you tell you the stuff that I got up to? And they're all done. And he shared his testimony. And his testimony, by that, the fruit, the, 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 by that testimony, you will know them. And radically, over a period of time, God changed me. And it's only in this context and only in this setting that he can do that. And it's amazing to be here this morning. Amen? In this place, where else can you go? I mean, I remember going, Noel Kenny was preaching. I shared this last week. And I was only out of rehab and I was living on my own up in Ratmines and I was really struggling, big time struggling with, with sin and with failure and with backsliding. And I remember going into the church and, and, and Noel was preaching the message and I jumped up and ran out because I couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't handle the condemnation. And again, I want you to, to, to remember what I said because I'm going to get back into that in a minute. And I remember looking back 
And there's now Kenny running up here Street after me. Come back. Come back. And he, he stopped me. And I, says, I said, I can't go into that church anymore. I feel like I'm going to explode. I feel like I, I can't do this. And he sat me down and he, he talked me off the ledge. And again, that was a monumental changing time in my life where I walked into a church in one state of mind. Get this. And I walked over in a completely other state of mind. There's nowhere else that can happen. Only in the presence of the Lord. Only where God is. And we sang it there. Only when he is our strength and he is our rock and he is our shield. And let's go into Psalm 5. I'm gonna, is it okay with everybody? I'm going to read it through. It's a bit long, but I need to read it through and then we'll break it down, okay? So it says here, it's the Psalm of David, and it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence and you hate all who do wrong. You destroy all those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But I, I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down. Towards your holy temple, lead me, O Lord, your God, in, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight my your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their hearts are filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them from their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. And those who love uh, your name may rejoice. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with a favor as with a shield. What a tremendous portion of scripture. Um, And what we have here, if we want to break it down here, we have a battle going on between what's right and what's wrong. It's a battle that's going on. And and here's the, the, the amazing thing about the word. Nothing is new in this. It's the exact same today as it was in David's time. The battles are the exact same. The, 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 the condition in the world is in is the, the exact same. Um, who man is, is the exact same. And the condition of man is the exact same. And there's nothing new. And nothing, uh, 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 you know, there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And so David was struggling with the same things, guys, that we are struggling with today. There's, there, and that's what I'm hoping that this morning that we can walk out of here with something fresh in our hearts that we can, we can overcome this stuff that there is hope for us here and you know where it starts off it starts off with David humbling himself and praying to God and guys sometimes when we come into a church I used to say this all the time up in Tiglin and the lads heads be done in with it but just because you're in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger you know what I mean Sometimes we assume that everybody prays, that this is a natural thing that we do, that we go away and we, we pray to the Lord every morning. And for a lot of people, it's a massive struggle. 
for a lot of people, there's massive battles going on in their lives to humble themselves before God because it is a humility place. And I know this from my own experience as a young Christian. I remember I used to hate prayer. I used to think, force me to pray. And I don't get any joy out of this. There's nothing for me in this. And again, the whole self rises up when you have to bow down. It's an amazing thing, guys. That's just not, if you say to me that prayer comes natural, not to man, I don't think. There certainly doesn't to me. It's a battle goes on for me to get on my knees before God. And I weigh up a lot of things before I get down there. But I'm telling you, the place where we start in this psalm, in these battles that David had, in, in the condition of man, is he starts off with prayer. He says, I can't do nothing about this. He says, in you is my strength. You hear my sighing. There's nothing. I can't win this. There's nothing I can do here that's going to me get the victory, guys. Can, I, can we start off with that place this morning? That the humility of prayer is not about a religious thing. And those Irish people are, religion is in our DNA. We're like the most religious people on the earth when it comes to trying to earn God's favor and trying to work up something out of God. But prayer isn't like that. I believe prayer is a place of humility. It's a place of admitting that it's nothing like, I can't win this battle. So straight out, straight out of the gate, God, I can't do this. And it's in you I trust. And it's in you I rest. And it's in you I turn to. There's nothing in me that can produce victory in this. It must come from the Lord. Can we hear that this morning? That, I mean, there's one breakthrough that should change going out the door this morning. That prayer isn't about something that I do to please God or that I do to nod to God and now God as a religious tick, a religious box that I ticked. That was me for a long, long time. Well, it's only half an hour this morning now, so God owes me something now and I'm going to get, you know, God's going to bless me today because uh, uh, I've done something for him. And I lived in that place for a long time, but prayer is about humility. It's about coming before God. <coughs> and it's about saying, um, the Lord, I can't do this. And uh, straight again, we get, that, we get to that place. And then it turns into this. And this is, this is the struggle that David had, and it's a struggle that we have to this day. We live in a violent society. Anyone read, hear the news last night? The news the night before? Or the news the night before that? We live in a violent society. There's no getting away from it. And so David says here, you take no pleasure in, in evil and with you the wicked cannot dwell. And that's the place we live in today. That there is us as Christians, and I don't mean to become an all separatist and all that kind of stuff, but there is us and then there's others. There's us that have an eye on God and a place onto the knees, and then there's others that don't. There's us that have a thing about um, going to Belarus and doing up orphanages to people that have nothing. And then there's us that, there's others that just take, take, take. And there's two things that are going on here. And David says that God doesn't take pleasure in evil. And we shouldn't take pleasure in evil either. I was watching a, a program there a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've seen it. And we're talking about an evil society. It's a show called 24 Hour and Please Cuss. I don't know if anyone's ever watched it. But it just, I was actually, God struck 
watching this, what was unfolding in front of my eyes. There's a thing over in England now, it's a, an epidemic, knife crime. And so, we've all heard it on the, on the news and all that, it's an absolute epidemic over there with knife crime. And so, they decided to do a show on it, to do it, a real life, 24 hours, these guys in police custody. And this is how it panned out. And you're thinking, evil in the world, wrong in the world. You're thinking about David struggled in his day. Listen to this. These, these guys, this guy was walking down with his girlfriend, young guy, 17, 18 years of age. His whole life ahead of him. His girlfriend was him, and he caught, the, he caught the eye of another guy. Just caught his eye. And uh, your man stared in competition, and this young guy with his girlfriend, he flashed the knife. He said, he said to your man, I have a knife here, you know? And so he kept walking, but the other guy got on the phone. And within five minutes, this all panned out. This, this car pulls up, and four lads jump over. And they stabbed this guy to death. And he's seen it on camera, he's caught it on camera. He stabbed this poor guy to death. And what you see happening in front of you is one guy loses his life over a staring competition. And then you see four young guys, 17 up to 21, all got lifed off. Minimum 18 years. And one of them, the driver, because he, he admitted, he, he named something or he done something, he got 11 years. And the police, was to, they tried to find a motive. And this is where it really got interesting for me in the sense that not that violence is interesting, it's not. And that's what I'm preaching here. But they sat down and they really, really tried to get the motive on this. What was the motive? And you know what, guys? There was no motive. There was zero motive. The, the guys that killed your man hardly knew the guy that made the phone call. They hardly knew him. Within a half an hour, these guys, one was dead and four lads lived off. Within a half an hour. And no motive. Nothing. Just a staring competition. And that's, listen guys, this is the world we live in. It's sad to say that, isn't it? But it says here that the Lord hates all that. And so should we. That we should never... We should be a people that are moving away from that. That are moving into a place where we, we, we don't condone that. I'm not saying that we do or anything like that. But, but the, God, Lord, the Lord instructs us that this is not where we're going. And this is not what I want. And this is not my will. But there is an evil world out there. But listen, here's the glory because here's the hope for us. Because it, it goes on. And David, David is caught up on all this. And so am I. I, I couldn't get my head around that show the other night. I couldn't get me brain around the four young guys, the whole life ahead of them. And poof. And it says here, David was perplexed, and so am I. But it says here, David says, But I, for your great mercy, will come into your house in reverence will I bow down. And guys, there's a hope for us this morning. There's the presence of God. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, you know the biggest word in that is? I. I choose to go to the house of God. I choose that that's not for me. That that's not, that is wrong. That, that there's a hope for me out of this that I don't have to dwell in it or live in it or accept it. But because the Lord abhors it, so do I. And that goes into a whole host of things. Not just 
violence, but a whole host of things that draw us away from the presence of God. And guys, people put their hands up. How many things out there that are a distraction to the Christian? Anyone put their hands up? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? How many things out there are a distraction to the Christian life that are drawing us away from the house of God? But David was clear on this. David could, you know, I'll get into who David was in a minute, but there were so many other things or other places that he would go to, but he says, I, me, I choose. It's my decision. And this psalm is all about choice, evil, wrong, good versus evil, the whole lot. Where, where are you in this? And what do you abhor? And what is your choice? And David says, I will go to the house of God. And what does it say he does in the house of God? Again, we're, we're bound down. Going to the house of God is a humble place. I believe coming to church on a Sunday morning is a humble thing. I think it's, I think it's the beginning of breaking down your heart and saying, pride, what pride? I'm getting up in the morning on Sunday where I can lie down and sleep where I'm going into the house of God. And that's what separates us from what's going on out there. I get a phone call. The absolute opposite of pride. Now I'm going down and I'm going to murder a young guy for nothing. Do you understand? See where we're, the juxtapositions. See where it's going. And guys, in us, in Psalm 5, David puts it down in writing, and God puts it down that there is an evil world out there, but there is also a place of refuge. A place where we can turn to. An alternative. A place where we come to. But it's coming to, the, coming to it in humility. And the place on the knees and in the place of the bow down where I'm not in control, but he is. And I love that and praise God. Is it okay to move on? Are we getting something out of this? Because uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a big piece at the end here. I'm just, just trying to set everything up here. But then it says, it goes back into the sin place again. And it says there, and this was interesting to me because, you know, we had to break this down and study it. It says, let their intrigues be their downfall. And what David was saying was that, watch what happens when people commit to the things of this world. And let their intrigues, in other words, their interests and what they're putting their passions into and what they're putting their efforts into and where they're going with things, let their intrigues be their downfall. And guys, I'm going to say something to you. Possibly going to get controversial here, but you can see Rob at the end. Right? Because thank God, there's a back way out here, isn't there? Because thank God. No, listen, sin, sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. The word sin is an ancient English word which means missing the target, missing what God has in our lives. When we, when we sin, it has an effect on our physical body, it has an effect on our mind, and it has an effect on, 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 on who we are as a person. Now it doesn't, and again, I will back this up with scripture, it doesn't affect how God sees us. We need to get that clear. I'm going to go into that now in a second, but I want to understand the premise of what sin is. It's missing the mark, and if we are caught in sin, or if we're involved in sin, and, and I know this from my own, I know the effects that it has in my own personal life. I can share testimonies here till I'm blue in the face. That it keeps on tripping us up and the, we <coughs> put our efforts into it and put all our things into it. That It says it will be our downfall. There's no doubt about it. 
And David watched this happening in his own life as much as he watched it happening in other people's lives. But the amazing hope is that when we move down, it says, Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them uh, with favor as with a shield. And, and, and I'm going to break, down, break this down, we'll finish with this. That David was a man, it says, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I often wondered what that meant because David was a very conflicted man. He, he, he committed adultery and he had the husband of that woman murdered. Um, he, he, you know, he, he'd done many things that were wrong. Um, and yet it says that he was a, a man after God's own heart. But when we break that down, and when I've studied this and, and I've got to the meat and bones of this, what that means is that he knew God had a heart to forgive. And he knew that God knew the repentant heart. And he, he had a heart after God in the sense that I know God will forgive me. And God will uh, not hold it against me. David says that, that blessed are those that when the, 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 their sins are not held against them. He prophesied that. But David was a man under the law. And so what does this mean to us? Well, it means that uh, we're, we're trying to find Jesus in all the Psalms. But Jesus is our righteousness. He has become the, uh, anything that we lack. Jesus becomes our righteousness. The Bible says in Ephesians that when we become born again, and I'm hoping that this changes us and changes our hearts if you're struggling with this stuff. Because I know... And certainly we had it in Art history. We had a massive um, reaction to this where people are caught in this religious understanding of God. And again, see Rob after this when I'm finished. But we tend to, and a lot of us do, and I know I did for a long, long time, we work our way into the favor of God. When the Bible says very clearly, and if you study your, you know, the work of Christ and the, the righteousness of Christ, that Jesus, when we're born again, becomes our righteousness. And yes, all our sin, past, present, and future, is forgiven. Sins that I have not yet committed are forgiven. My salvation is assured says in Ephesians that I am my spirit, my born again spirit is sealed in God. Tremendous scripture. What does that mean? The word that they use there, the Hebrew word, or the Greek word, sorry, is that when, a, when, when people or when a woman uh, um, gets fruit and they want to preserve the fruit, they put this special seal on the top of the jar and it's sealed in so no air can get in and damage the fruit. And it, it's, it's from, an, the Bible says again, an imperishable seed. Nothing can affect my spirit. My spirit right now is as righteous and as holy as Jesus is, the Bible says. The same power that's in me is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. In me is perfection. I am, as the Bible says, destined for glory. Nothing can rob that glory from me. So in other words, why would you take all that? I am righteous. There's no question about it. 
I am righteous before God. There's no struggle. God's not angry with me. He's not even in a bad humor with me. He absolutely adores me and loves me, even in the height of my wrong. Some people, we, we just don't care. I hope we get a breakthrough on this. Man, when I got the breakthrough on this, and I understood this, I remember a fellow was teaching me this stuff. I lived in the law for years. I was afraid of God. I used to pray. I used to get down on my knees and pray to God, but it was out of a selfish thing. It was like, God, now you owe me. I'm working up this holiness, and you're going up over this law of righteousness, and you get to a place, and then you crash and burn. I'm working, God, I'm holy. Don't you know I've read 20 chapters of the Bible today? Now you will give me this, and you will give me that. And you owe me this. I'm not, people are looking at me, but I think you can hold your hands up there. I know what's in the heart, especially in the heart of Irish people, we're the most religious people you can come against. And we try and, and earn this favor before God, and it's an absolute affront to the cross. It's saying that my righteousness is the equivalent of Jesus' righteousness. And God sees me as he sees Jesus in what I'm doing. And it's absolutely wrong. There is of no value to what I do. Nothing influences God that I do. Nothing. Whether he loves me or not. Nothing. I can't, people are going to run at you, Rob, later on. Because it's taking the religion out of their hands. Nothing you do. I don't care if you go around this whole town and knock every door for every night for a whole year. That will not influence God and in, in how he if, uh, treats you or how he looks at you. One job. I remember as a young Christian and I gave my life to God and a guy called John Edwards said, you're born again. And I said, how do you know you're born again? I said, I heard you speaking in tongues. I've been, I've been with you for a while now. I know you're born again. I know the Lord has come into your life. And I said, John, I think I know it myself. And I went off and I used drugs again. I'm telling you, this is what John told me, and this is what the Bible tells me, and this is what God told me, that if I was to drop dead there, I'm going to be with him. How is that possible, I said? Because you're born again, not because of you, that works lest any man boast, but because of what Jesus done. When we go to the judgment seat, the Christians go to the great right throne, and the others go to the judgment seat. And if you have two people in the judgment seat and God before them, the Bible teaches us. And it says, <clears throat> it says one person's a Hitler type and the other person's a Mother Teresa type. They won't be judged on anything other than what they've done with Jesus. Nothing of their lives will come up other than what did you do with Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? The Bible tells us in Romans that why were we yet sinners? Backing this up with scripture, guys, I'm not just not off the top of my head. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more now does he not love us? So why are you saying to me, why are you saying, why is the religion saying, when I become a Christian, God goes to, 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 to Eddie up on Thomas Street and he's trying to rob this woman's handbag and he's saving him and Eddie doesn't want him. But all of a sudden, three weeks later, Eddie gives his life. And what, does God give up on me then? He doesn't want me anymore because I sin? He doesn't want, he's not loving me anymore because I get it wrong? But surely he was calling me out of the pit of hell when I didn't want him. How much more now? I mean, Christ, does he love me? God's not angry with anybody in here. He's not even in a bad humor. 
He loves us because of Jesus. We are righteous. That's what it says here in the Psalms. It says, well, surely, O Lord, you will bless the righteous. Some people are in this room and they're righteous one minute and they're going to hell the next. And they have to get born again, again, again. Every time you go to God and ask God to forgive you of sins, you're trying to get born again, again. Your sins are forgiven. Now, there is a thing they said to Paul. See, Paul got his head thumped in everywhere when he said this stuff. Everywhere Paul went, he got best stupid because of this stuff. Because it took the religion out of the hands of people. I was over in Ephesus there last year. I was in Ephesus a couple of times. But I was over in Ephesus and there was a temple to Dina. I think it's Dina. And it, remember the, in Ephesus where, where the, the people that made the statues, the religious... Remember? You read it in Acts. There was uproar in the city because what Paul was saying was you don't need religion anymore. You don't need to sacrifice anymore. You don't need to offer anymore. You don't need to buy their statues anymore. You don't need to pay homage anymore. It's just in Jesus. And he bit lumps out him for it. And it's the same thing today. Nothing's changed. When I say this stuff, people get angry. No, oh, hold on. You don't know how, what I do. You don't know, uh, you know. And he said to, said to Paul, so what will we do then, Paul? Will we go keep on sinning and give for the glory of God? And what did Paul say? Absolutely not. Because we are dead to sin. And let me tell you guys, sin has an effect on us. Not an effect in the way God sees us. But I'll just say, for instance, how am I for time, Rob? A couple of minutes. Just, just say, for instance, right? The way sin, I'll finish with this. I, I, I genuinely will finish with this. Just say, for instance, I'm talking about the effect on sin on our personal lives. Not between God and I hope he's got that. And we can walk out here knowing that who the Son sets free is free indeed. That we're not slaves to religion or working up God's favour. That we are free. First and foremost, we're free. And every, everything I get wrong, I'm free. God still loves me. But there's an effect that sin has on us. And so just say, for instance, I went and, and, and uh, I seen that that's a massive thing. What? An iPad, right? <laughs> and I know you, I seen an iPad and uh, I looked around and Rob was torn his back and I was hooking on him. Right, I robbed it on him. What would happen to me? Rob knows I robbed it on him. He's seen me, calls the police. What effect does sin have on me? The consequence is that the police are going to come and are going to arrest me. Yeah. God, not, nothing to do with God and how he sees us, but that's a consequence of sin. If I was to, God forbid, commit adultery and, and, and shack up with another woman, what effect does that have on, on me? Loss of family, marriage, prayer, what effect does it have on, every, on my kids and everyone else? Consequences of sin. Sin, if I, if I keep on eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating, what consequences does that have? I know you would never see it now, but what consequences that have? We all know. So, so sin has a consequence on this earth. And when we die, we will get a new body. And we, we struggle with this body. Paul calls it the body of death. 
we do struggle with it. And one day when we die, we will get a new body and we, our, 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 our body will be redeemed and our soul will be redeemed. But at the moment, the only thing that's redeemed is our spirit. And that's made perfect before God. But this thing, we struggle with. Now, some are better than others. <laughs> some people are better than others. But we, all, we will struggle with this. And I, I remember in the prayer, you know, praying to people. And people were saying to me, Eddie, I'm really struggling. I said, well, I'm, at the, I'm looking for this thing of God. Say it's a job. I said, I'm at the being fasting. I'm at the doing this. I'm at the being reading my Bible every day. I'm at the doing this. I'm at the knocking this door. I'm at the, God won't give me that. And you know what? He won't give it to you. You say, this is all about you and what you're doing. There's no trust in God. There's no, it's all about your own righteousness and you're, you're, you're waving it before God. Because you think that influences God. Everything we have is by the grace of God. Not by what we do. Nothing that we have is, 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 is from our own stuff. And, and people say to me, that, well, I don't sin, Eddie. People have actually said that. I don't sin. I'm a good man. I, I, you know, there's certain things I don't do, but you wouldn't class them as sin. You wouldn't, I, I live a holy life. I live a good life. I, I don't do that. And I don't do this. And then we say back to them, because it says in James that the man who knows to do the things he ought to do doesn't do them. So the sins of, of omission. I mean, do you love your life, wife as Christ loves the church? Anybody do that? Can anybody do that? I think so. Do you, uh, when, when, when you walk out here now, do you preach the gospel to everybody you meet? Do you, do you give to every beggar that you meet? If I'd done that in Dublin, I wouldn't have a shilling in my bag. There's things that we do, but there's things that we don't do and we don't even know about, and that's according to James, our sin. Can we keep that? No. There's nothing we can do about that because that's why Christ has to be our righteousness. That's why we cannot trust in our own stuff, guys. That's why we cannot bring that stuff to God. I'll finish with this. Really will. It says in the law that if you break one law out of them all, you break it all. So if you walk out here in your self-religious righteousness and you break, in other words, you're with your partner or you see someone. In your head, that's only a small little thing. Well, you've broken one law, you've broken it all. If you're a religious person, so I'm going to just dump that on you. There's no, no, we can't do it, guys. Jesus is our righteousness. Go out of here today knowing that the Son has set you free. And you are free. But understand that sin has its costs. But God's not angry with us. Not even mad with us. He loves us. He's with us. Let's stand. Oh Lord. Father we bless you. What a good God. We can really say that. I used to, when I used to hear people saying, oh, good God, I'm at the struggle now. We're trying to appease him. And the gospel, the word gospel means gush spiel. Yeah? Good news. Gush spiel. Good news. For me, for a long time, it was bad news. Because I couldn't keep up with God. 
I, I wasn't holy enough for him. And I lived out of that insecurity, law place. Until one day, through the ministry of another man, I got it. That Jesus loves me, agape, unconditionally. And as we struggle with Psalm 5, and we see the, the world that we live in, guys, I hope you can know that we are free in this world. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's through Jesus that he is our righteousness. It says in the end of the psalm, and he is a shield that guards us. Hallelujah. So Father, I pray, Lord, just come right now, Lord, and touch every religious heart. Touch every person in here that's struggling with their, the way they see you. That they think that you're angry with them. That you won't love them in the morning. That they think that, that, that you're impossible to get on with. And that they live from Sunday to Sunday and, and peaks and troughs, Lord, with you. But Father, would we break that in this room this morning? Would you break that, Lord? Father, would you come and break that? Show us, Lord, that our spirit is perfect, sealed in the Holy Ghost. Nothing can penetrate the imperishable seed. Father, would that be the Christian message in this room that turned the whole world upside down? Father, what a message. What good news that I am saved, saved, saved. 